Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Thanks for listening to the Rachel Zimmerman Show on KMOX. This week, I talked with Neil Salsick. You may know Neil from playing gigs around St. Louis, either on his own or with the band The Mighty Pines. Or maybe you caught him earlier this year on NBC's The Voice. We had a great conversation. Check it out now. Hey, Rachel. It's great to be on your show. I'm a new fan <laughs> and uh, impressed with, with your lineup of guests so far. So honored to be included. Thank you so much. I am a musician here in St. Louis. That has become my identity, and I'm, I'm grateful for that because that's who I always wanted to be. So I'm a mix of of a, a journeyman musician, kind of uh, figuring it out as I go, um, a little bit of a music scholar, also mixed with a, a, a St. Louisan, a passionate St. Louisan who's, who's learning a lot as I go and almost equally passionate about all things St. Louis, um, but luckily uh, I don't rely on that for my income. So I'm just a, a, fa- a St. Louis fan and, and a working musician. Uh, when you say you're a music scholar, flesh that out for me. Yeah. It's funny. I am almost, um, I love performing, but but the thing that really lights me up about music, and I can't sit at home and get paid for this, unfortunately, mm. but it's just the history of music and the lineage, it's it's really remarkable. Um, just this life that I've made of, of of studying old music, and by old music, I just mean uh, anything that's ever been recorded before. So that could be '90s pop music, that could be ragtime, that could be classical music. I think for my own purposes, it's more like um, folk and rock and country-based music and soul music, stuff from the 1950s through the 1990s probably. But don't get me started on uh, music history because that'll that'll eat up our whole time here. Well, tell me about your music background. Like when do you remember deciding like, oh, this is what I want to do? Or when did you develop that interest? It wasn't so much of a decision. It's probably best described as a calling. But um, the way I explain it is like when I was a kid – uh, other kids had toys like Game Boys or um, whatever toys that when they would get punished, they they you know the parent would take away the toy for a day or whatever. Mine was my my Walkman. Mm. That was my favorite toy as a kid, and and I learned, at, I mean, probably four and five years old, how to put the tapes in and press play, and I learned how to operate my dad's CD player. And for whatever reason, I, and I can't explain that this, and it's it's a little bit mystical, or maybe predestined or something. But I was just obsessed with those sounds, and and the funny thing is, is it wasn't just the sounds too. This is where the music historian was always in me. I was just comb my fingers along these tall racks of CDs that my dad would have, um, and pull them out and look at the covers and just. A, a, a great album, like now I listen to a lot of vinyl, but the CDs worked the same way. Like before you even listened to them, they were kind of like books. 
and the the way a great book can be. It's like a whole world is contained in this one little square thing that you're holding in your hand, and that would just kind of mystify me. And I and it just kind of that's that's where that's where it all started. I can say that. Do you feel like that world that's contained in that little book? We're missing that in the digital age now with oh, the downloads yeah. and stuff. Oh yeah, it's it's. I don't know. I guess I'd call it sad. I really do believe that. Um, I think people are missing. They don't even know, you know, they don't even know they're missing it. But just and streaming has its benefits, I suppose. But man, it doesn't foster any type of deeper connection other than I love this song. I mean, the listener still is moved and inspired by the music that they're hearing from streaming. There's no doubt about that. It's still the song, but it kind of stops there. There's no, the, the, the sense of music history or music scholarship or just um, kind of uh, chasing down those threads, which is the exciting thing about any any world that you're living in or or kind of pursuit that you're in professionally. Just like the wealth of, of knowledge that's just, that just excites me like learning um about whatever it is there to learn about in your field you know and i think that's missing with streaming so what artists influence you the most well musical artists or you know yeah. take your pick um because that's interesting i think the more i do this and by this i mean make a life in music write songs sing i'm definitely starting to feel that it's I don't I'm not just inspired by music. In fact, I'm doing so much work on music that the other parts of my life I I don't necessarily I don't find myself listening to that much music or at least in in the type of music that I'm working on for my job. And that's kind of cool because I'm noticing like moments of silence, moments of um being in nature, moments of driving through the city with with no music on and looking. The visual aspect of life is really starting um, to, I think, seep into what inspires me. I'm, um, I've been rediscovering reading this year, it feels like, and just slowing down and reading and locking in with great writing and great authors and it feels like listening to an awesome album, like as your eyes move down the page and you're just truly delighted and like um, moved uh, emotionally too, the same way music can do. So that's something I've just been thinking about lately. And another thing is like I've loved – this is one reason I love radio and, and one reason that I enjoy listening to KMOX or like podcasts, great interviews of all types on the radio. The – musicality of the human voice and everyone's own voice is is so musical to me and, and contains so much so it's it's I've become such a fan of just listening to people talk and that inspires me in ways that I, I probably don't understand quite yet so you have the mighty pines what do you enjoy more performing with a group or performing by yourself performing with a group for sure and it's a that's kind of a complicated answer because it, it performing with a group is um when it's going well and when you, you when you trust the people you're on stage with and you're comfortable and and supported 
Yeah, there's nothing quite like that. And, and there's a lot of sports analogies that work really well in music. Uh, analogies of teams and, and teamwork and, and all the everyone having their role. And that's like when that's clicking the way a good uh, sports team is clicking that and everyone can is fully realized and like firing on all pistons and and you know activating their potential that's pretty pretty wonderful it's just that that takes a lot of it's um being in a band or just any type of collaboration on stage is some version of being in a relationship with another person and that takes um some give and take and some love and um time and all that stuff so there's also something special about performing a solo. That's just harder. That's like it's more intimate. Um, it's 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 almost like the essence of what I feel performance is is um, when I'm on stage with just a guitar and voice. But there's nothing. There's no one else to catch you. You know. There's it, it's a lot scarier. Um, and the payoff, the payoff is pretty great when when you can captivate a crowd with just guitar and voice, but it's something I'm still kind of chasing. What do you do to get ready to go on stage? Because you just come across as such a thoughtful, grounded person. Like, do you have any rituals? Before, I don't know if I have any set rituals. I would say here's the the only for sure set ritual is I want to be prepared. You know, for the most part, whatever show I'm doing I've just found that you you don't want to stress yourself out and and overwork yourself and get and get really angsty about it, which I've learned the hard way. But there's no show that that some some amount of preparation won't make better, and that but that doesn't happen the day of the show. That usually I'm finding that that really is effective days, weeks, even months before the show. But right, I don't know. I don't have any. I don't have any certain rituals. I I do like to be alone. I, I I'm not um good with I love I love visiting with my fans and supporters. I really do. I love doing that after the show. Uh before the show, it's just people show up from various parts of your life. Uh could be people from twenty years ago, people that you've met in the last six months and, and they're all so wonderful, but it's just like a lot to try to engage with all of that as you're and and hold that and but but be holding that space for yourself like I'm about to go on and I don't know it's a very performing's very vulnerable it's very intimate and it takes a lot out of me um but I've just gotten used to that um be, uh, being an introvert just feeling like a good kind of exhausted after the show and um protecting my energy as they say these days. Yeah, it's it, interesting that you just said you were an introvert because I'm really connecting with a lot of what you're saying. I'm very similar, but then also we're both performers in a way. How do you, what do you get from that stepping out of that introvert mode into extrovert mode? Like, what is it that you're gleaning from that that yeah, feels so good? That's a great question because I was thinking about that um, as I was answering the last question. I don't even know sometimes. I can't put, let's put it this way, I can't put it into words. Um, I can feel it. Um, and there's certain shows I kind of know I'll play a show and I'll either know pretty much right away after it's over. Eh, I didn't really get anything special from that. I may, I may have gotten a paycheck, which is important. That's how I make a living. 
But there's also, you know, when you step off from a certain show or especially the next morning, I'll really feel that for the first like hour as I'm waking up. This this true satisfaction and and feeling of being pleased with yourself that I don't know I don't know how to what to call that or but I know I'm getting that from that and that's that's sort of that I don't know even even answering you now I don't know what to call it it's 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 the satisfaction and the fulfillment that I think we're all looking for in life with whatever we're doing um whatever career we have or whatever we spend our time doing things that make us happy or put us in flow states and help us be really present. They just give us um, a peace of mind uh, that is that is unlike anything else. You talk about the flow state. Is there anything besides music that does that for you? Oh yeah. Um, so much. Really, it can be found anywhere in life, and that's part of what I'm learning these last couple of years. And and I'm glad I'm discovering this, but just being really present with whatever you're doing. Specifically for me, um, it's always been running. I've been a huge runner, and that's where I've found, I think, many of my first experiences, like as an adolescent with being in a flow state and being extremely present and locked in to to something, to an activity. And, And that has been really tied up with music listening for me because I've, I mostly run with music and that is in this, um, especially this day and age where I'm so much of my music listening is really like homework or studying for the gig. When I'm running, a lot of that joy of listening to music comes back of just locking in motion with the music and especially being in nature. I love trail running to the music and it's like, it's that intersection of visuals and um, oral experience and my body moving all at the same time. That's like really, really special for me. And I also have found that in yoga in the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. That's been a great blessing and joy in my life to, to study that. Stay tuned because after the... Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Yes, you'll be glad you did. Break. I have part two of my interview with Neil. What do you think your, your greatest strength is as a performer? I think my greatest strength as a performer is versatility. That's kind of what I'm starting to lean into more and more. And what I mean by that is I truly love almost all types of music. Honestly, I, I'm so... Uh, fascinated with it and 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 I I feel like I can engage in all of it. And so when I'm able to bring that to so many shows like there's really not there's many great singers and and instrumentalists and creatives of all type and and a lot of people have um their specialty. And but but a few singers and a few guitarists or whatever their specialty is being able to authentically kind of 
uh, wear many different hats. And I think I, I do that as a singer. And I, I just, I wouldn't have it any other way. That's what I love doing. Like, in the next two weeks, for example, I'm doing a show that's like a songwriter showcase with two other wonderful, wonderful songwriters in town. And that is its own type of intimate, hushed vocal performance where I'm singing my own songs and it's it's just one type of thing. Then three or four days after that, I'm singing in a Led Zeppelin tribute at the Oyster Bar. And that could not be more different, but equally exciting to me. And then... Uh, I'm the next the night after that I'm singing with El Monstero for the first time. Oh, that's gonna be awesome! Very excited and grateful for that. That's a little bit like the Led Zeppelin thing. And then, um, a couple weeks later on New Year's Eve, the Mighty Pines will do our annual '90s show, and so I'll be doing my best uh, Adam Duritz Counting Crows mm-hmm. impression, or even some R and B. Like I totally grew up on 90s R&B just like anyone else and and that's a huge part of what I do so um I don't know and I the list could go on and on I I love I could sing I can sing old country music if I want to I could I'd love to one day really sing jazz you know that's not something I've had an opportunity to do but I think eventually I will and I I'm listening to more classical music than ever and hearing these operatic singers and and it's planting the seed and what, and I'm thinking to myself, I know in the next, in my lifetime, I'll do something like that too. Very cool. Uh, so you were on the voice this past spring, right? Yes. How is that still this year? <laughs> I, that it feels like a lifetime ago. So how did you end up, uh, auditioning for that? That was just something where I was kind of these moments where I'm at home, especially during the lockdown, had a lot of time to practice and started, deepening my own personal practice especially with singing and and um yeah feeling like my confidence was growing and also like oh I I was I was especially when it comes to uh, what you would call soul music or rhythm and blues or whatever I was like man I really want to express this part of myself and I, I didn't have as many projects that were doing that and I would see these great singers on The Voice. I got turned on to it from Joanna Serenko, who's a St. Louisan, um, who's been on The Voice. And just seeing, watching the show and just, I thought to myself, I think I could do that. And I, you know, I, not in a, not in a cocky way, just like I would see these great singers and great songs, especially they were singing songs like from the 60s and 70s too. I, I kind of always assumed oh something like the voice is like modern pop music and that's not really something I'm in touch with so it wouldn't be for me but I saw these great song choices on the show things that I was singing at my gigs and and I just thought I should probably try I should probably go for this so what was it like behind the scenes I mean everyone enters into a situation like that with a certain amount of expectations how did that line up with how you thought it was going to be it was it ended up being not really like I thought it was going to be and I think part of that was just innocence going into it and part of it was um what any human would do which is kind of daydream about the most sensational and wonderful outcomes you know like um um thinking of that movie a christmas story where ralphie's like having the fantasy of uh 
saving his class with the BB gun and everyone's praising him. And, and that was kind of like sometimes <laughs> what would be going on in my head. And then, and then reality would set in and it wasn't always like that, but yeah, it was, it was really eye opening. Um, in so many ways, it was such a great experience, like to see TV, to kind of like be work with cameras for the first time. I mean, I mean, we all have social media cameras and that's hard enough, but man, like cameras trained on you at all seconds and learning how to lock in and be present for that, that the, the, the biggest success I think that I would feel from the show is like successfully performing my songs, knowing that so much was at stake in that for that two moments because you do not get um, a do-over. You know, it's one take. And and in most of life, we get do-overs. Like, if I'm making content for myself, I can start the camera over. If I'm in the studio cutting a track, I can, we can do another take. And if you're doing a live performance at a bar, yeah, you might mess up and, like, in, in 10 seconds, people forgot about it because it's not immortalized on screen forever. But that was, um, God, my heart was pounding uh, before each of those, each of those performances. But yeah, I went on, it took, took some work, but I went on stage and was able to like be in the flow state and be present. Very nice. Um, what do you enjoy the most about the St. Louis music scene? I I really enjoy um being surprised being being constantly surprised and delighted by it and it it seems like a small city there's a funny thing like I think as St. Louisans we we say oh yeah it's like a big city with a small town vibe or you'll hear a lot of people say oh this town is so small or whatever but to me and I get that cuz I do feel like I can kind of manage it but it's still, and not just in the music scene, this is like in any area, it's still, I'm still discovering new stuff all the time, which I think is remarkable. But with the music scene, it's still like that. I'm still meeting musicians who I, I never met before or I did, wasn't aware of who are just just phenomenal. And, and they could be an older guard musician who's who's have decades of experience and, and had an incredible resume. And I love hearing these stories of who they've worked with and learning from them and seeing how professional they are. And I'm at a, I'm at an interesting time too, because now for the first time I'm experiencing, okay, there's like, there's a decade of people below me that are now starting to, I used to be that person, the new kid on the scene. There wasn't like anyone below me. So I could kind of look up and like, and like conceive of everyone. But now there's all these new uh, talented musicians. So I'm trying to trying to keep a pull a finger on that pulse and 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 be like, wow, okay, there's these great these these um super talented kids. And and there's there's um also I admit sort of like, oh my gosh, like they're they're like a lot better than I was <laughs> when I was twenty six or twenty seven and this not feeling threatened, but just, yeah, feeling like, okay, you know, I gotta, I gotta stick with it or I gotta like keep, keep doing great work because there's always going to be someone else 
who's who can take your place. It's also got to be a strange feeling too to be to move up to that next level and know that people are looking up to you too. Yes, that's a that's a good. I'm glad you mentioned that because. I've gotten a few comments about that from from younger musicians and like I would never have thought that they would think that, you know, but um someone recently told me how much how much they look up to me or I'm paraphrasing something like that and and he's a young musician in town and I was like well, I don't know, it really moved me. And I I don't think I'm always aware or or in touch with um how what I'm doing, how that affects other people, even even non musicians who are just fans, and and every time I am reminded of that, it's it's pretty powerful. So tell me more about this songwriting showcase coming up. How can people get tickets for that? Yes, okay. So that is Sunday, December seventeenth, at the Blue Strawberry, um, in the West End, and that will be me and Beth Bombara and Lynn O'Brien and uh these two songwriters are 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 incredible artists and singers uh who are active in St. Louis and I'm so happy to call them friends and collaborators. We're going to do an evening where um the three of us each play our own short set and then and there will be a lot of cross-pollination and collaboration too at the end. So um not sure of the website but the old uh Google <laughs> Method, just type in Blue Strawberry, um, Neil Salsic, and and I think you'll find what you need. And I'd love uh, for folks to come out and attend the show. In fact, there's only, as of yesterday, there were only five tickets left. So. Oh, nice. <laughs> People might be out of luck, but there will be more shows in the future. Neil, what's your next goal for your career? Um, Great question. What is my next goal? I've been doing a lot of thinking about that, um, thinking about what 2024 is going to be, thinking about the fact that I did The Voice, and that was an incredible, incredible experience, and it, it was like a life-changing experience and, and a hallmark for sure. And so what's next? I've been really asking that question a lot. Like, what's the next big thing? Because I don't want that to be the biggest thing I ever did. And I, I know it won't, but I, I don't, it's not clear to me right now what that next thing is. Um, so I don't know if I have, you know, some sort of specific goal other than, um, and I'm a real believer of this, just keep doing the work because it's it never it never fails to lead you the right way if you just show up today and do good work today and put one foot in front of the other i really believe that's the that's my path that will lead me to whatever um whatever i'm supposed to find um there's this quote that i love that means a lot to me that i read in a book this year that said you don't need to know the destination you just need to know the direction. And that's kind of something I live by. All right. I like that answer. Thanks, Neil. This was a great interview. Oh, really appreciate thank it. Thank you, Rachel. You're listening to The Rachel Zimmerman Show on KMOX. Our friends at 21C Museum have an exciting event coming up on December 20th. And I spoke with 21C Director of Community Impact, Chris, La Chris Randall, to learn all about it. Chris, thank you so much for joining me today. What does your role entail at 21C and what makes it so unique? So here at 21C, we have a focus 
uh, not just on amazing art and amazing food, but really, we really have a focus on making an amazing impact on our community as well. And so uh, they wanted to insert themselves into the St. Louis community uh, with uh, intentionality and purpose. 21C has always been focused on community since the, uh, the, the beginning of the brand back in 2006. But uh, they, they took a, a hyper-intentional appro- approach by entering themselves into the St. Louis market by creating this uh, very unique and specific role in hospitality called this uh, Director of Community Impact. And so we get to use the infrastructure and the talent of this hotel property to make a difference in the community that we're surrounded, that, that, we're, that we're sat in. And so uh, we're, we're excited to do that through a myriad of ways, through uh, philanthropic giving, through our nonprofit of the month uh, give back programs to impact programming. Uh, we have a very specific uh, strategy about how we uh, connect to the community, uh, not just through the art, but through the programming, focusing in the areas and spaces of uh, youth engagement and in the matters of racial and social economic uh, uh, equity, and so uh, we're excited to be able to not just be another heads and beds hotel, but more of a catalyst for change in the St. Louis community. And Chris, what what drew you to this role personally? Oh uh, well, my entire life has been focused on service and and, and community. Uh, I, I'm a native St. Louisan, uh, born on the north side of St. Louis. Uh, went to ROTC for high school, went to the Marine Corps when I was 17, served in the infantry, uh, came back to St. Louis, was a police officer with St. Louis County Police, uh, transitioned to the nonprofit sector through a organization that I now lead as executive director called Gentlemen of Vision. Um, and then uh, and that, and all of that just kind of segued my, my space from like this highly um, this gunslinger type of career that I had in the beginning uh, to shifting into the focus of serving and giving back to the community uh, through the nonprofit sector. Um, I, I, right before I arrived here, I was serving at uh, KSDK Five on Your Side as the community impact manager. Um, so, you know, the, the entire focus and scope of my professional career has been on service and giving back to our community. Very nice. So tell us about your upcoming Coffee Talk event. So we have, uh, so our, this month's nonprofit of the month that we're celebrating is Fathers and Family Support Center, which is uh, our gracious neighbors right across the street from us uh, here uh, at 21C Museum Hotel St. Louis. Um, so every month our, uh, we, we have these Coffee Talks on the fourth Wednesday of the month, generally, uh, we're a little early this year, uh, this month because of the holiday. Uh, but and we, we celebrate topics that uh, our nonprofit of the, of the month are uh, working to make a difference in. And so tomorrow we'll be uh, discussing navigating parental challenges in St. Louis. And so that's everything from co-parenting to maybe what our youth is facing, uh, what parents are facing to uh, parent effectively, and uh, to also help to create the solutions on how we can work uh, better together to uh, not just parent our own kids, but to parent the children of our community. So is this a ticketed event or can people just show up? No, people, uh, so 
not a ticketed event, but we uh, we do have a RSVP uh, through Eventbrite. It's free. Uh, we just like to do our, our RSVP so we can facilitate how much coffee and and, and breakfast uh, snacks uh, for for the guests that are that are coming down. But no, it is a free event, and we just want people to fill our room. It's here at the billiards room inside of our hotel, uh, which is a beautiful, uh, warm place to come in and have a great conversation. And that's happening on December 20th, correct? That is correct. 8 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. All right. Uh, so it sounds like 21C wants to partner with other local businesses to help the community. If someone wants to get involved, how do they contact you? Uh, they can visit our website. Uh, our information is at the bottom of the page, and that is 21cmuseumhotels.org uh, um, forward slash St. Louis. So you can just uh, look up our website, like I said, our information is at the bottom, or you can contact me directly, uh, Christopher.Randall, that's R-A-N-D-A-L-L, at 21chotels.com. Chris, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today, and best wishes with the event. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to The Rachel Zimmerman Show on KMOX. And thank you so much to everyone who donated to Operation Food Search through our Hardee's campaign for the Dave Glover Show on KMOX. You guys are amazing. We have raised so much money so far. And that campaign campaign, excuse me, is going on through the weekend. So you can keep going to Hardee's and keep making your donation to Operation Food Search. We appreciate you so much. Uh, one more thing I wanted to tell you guys about that's an initiative that Odyssey, the company I work for and that KMOX uh, is a part of, they are having an Odyssey Holiday Heroes Blood Drive next week. So from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. each day, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, you can schedule your appointment to give blood. Uh, you know, they're obviously working with the Red Cross for this. Um, on Tuesday, they have the downtown St. Louis YMCA at the MX, Wildwood Family YMCA. I'm, I'm not going to go through and, and read all the locations, but Tuesday, if you're a downtowner, you could get that done uh, at the downtown St. Louis YMCA at the MX. And then, you know, there's locations all over the area. You can check it out at KMOX.com. There will be a link to the Odyssey Holiday Heroes Blood Drive. If you could please give some blood. I have a sad story. It's a St. Louis story. I saw this in the Post-Dispatch earlier this week, and it really bummed me out. Raja, the elephant, is leaving the St. Louis Zoo next year. Um, So this is happening because he uh, can no longer breed with any of the other elephants in his enclosure. He's actually related to all of the the elephants who are, you know, of the right age and position to breed right now. So that wouldn't be appropriate. So they're going to move him out. He's going to move to, where is he going to move? He's going to the Columbus Zoo and Aquarium in late 2024 or early 2025. So we will be saying goodbye to Raja. I've always really loved him because he has the same birthday as my dad, December 27th. So goodbye to Raja. That is a bummer. He will be missed. All right. Thanks for listening to The Rachel Zimmerman Show. If you have any feedback about the show, I would love to hear it. You can either tweet at me or talk to me on Instagram at Rachel Z S T L, or you can send me an email if you have something long-winded you would like to say, uh, rachel.zimmerman at odyssey.com. Truly, I would love to hear from you and just see how you're feeling about the show. What's your favorite parts of the show? What's your least favorite parts? I am curious. I mean, we're still workshopping this thing, and I feel like uh, I'm doing it with the audience. 
I would just like to know your guys' point of view when it comes to the show. But I appreciate everyone who listens, and I hope you have an amazing weekend. Bye. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 